You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh, part of the Fake Teams podcast channel brought to you by SB Nation. I am the conductor of the Devin Frunches hype train and your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined by, at some point, there will be one point in this episode while we are all together, but right now it is just DK Metcalf's number one admirer and Mr. Independent Drinker Clark Barnes and the world's biggest 49ers fan and the ginger woodsman Nicholas underscore underscore something else you won't remember, uh, Jordan, the El Saboteur and Working Girl will be joining on the podcast at some point. Uh, guys, it's been a week off. How are we doing? Feeling refreshed coming off the bye week, Pete. Ready for another uh, Ready for another eight, nine weeks here. Yeah, we were able to ice up. We're good to go. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to be honest, as I'm sure listeners can hear, I have a little bit of my voice coming back. It was my brother's bachelor party this past weekend in, in New Orleans. Lots of singing. Lots of merriment. Um, probably am deaf in one ear. Um, I had a nice topping out moment in there where suddenly everything kind of was at one loud volume. I didn't really differentiate noises. So that was fun. Exciting. Heard a nice ringing in there for 48 hours. Uh, and my voice is still coming back. I'm also uh, got, a, got, a, got a good buzz going. Uh, Becca and I we're going to Croatia in the end of May. And so we decided to watch Rick Steves. Do you know who Rick Steves is? Like a PBS uh, travel guide. Not so familiar. He, yeah. Okay. He is, uh, he gave this talk about Croatia and we decided to make a drinking game of it. And let me tell you guys, it gets you well done real quick. So if you ever want to have an enjoyable night watching a travel guide, just uh, Rick Steves, Croatia, and um, somewhere else. And I'll show up on YouTube. And anytime the guy who's talking mentions his travel guide book or says that the place is uh, beautiful or a or a, a diamond in the rough or or kind of a, a secretive little hideaway, uh, drink and it'll do you well done. So there you go. Nice, Pete. I like it. How interesting. I think if you don't have a story about going to New Orleans and coming back absolutely worse for wear, then uh, you should go to New Orleans because it's a great place. It is a great place. New Orleans is amazing. It is a unique, one-of-a-kind city. There's nothing quite like it. I was there for New Year's. And how was your experience? Did you come back hoarse and partially deaf in one year? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I did. But it was, it was great. It was yeah. a lot of fun. I highly recommend urban street in your 20s and then after that there are lots of very beautiful not bourbon street places to enjoy (laughs) as resident old men on the podcast yeah 
Uh, quick update on Jordan. Jordan, the reason why he's delayed slash maybe won't arrive to the podcast on time, he has a work shindig where he is saying, quote, shouldn't be here much longer, but coincidentally, the champagne is flowing. That was uh, an hour ago, and then he just responded saying, I'm still at my work thing currently. So, much like me, Jordan's probably got a good buzz as well, and uh, currently interacting with his work friends while sipping the bubbly. So, uh, he may or may not be on, who knows, but we got lots of things to cover. There's lots of NFL news that is broken since we've last spoke. Uh, since it's been, you know, two weeks now. So we're going to cover that. We're going to play the greatest game known to mankind on the interwebs. Would you rather? Um, and then maybe if uh, Jordan pops on, and if we've got time to do it, we're going to do a little uh, fantasy Game of Thrones because uh, the final season starts on Sunday. So can't wait till then. Y'all ready? That's why everyone's talking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> okay, this is exciting. It's good news. I like this. Yeah. Carter, you a Game of Thrones watcher? I yeah. could have totally Oh, nice. I, I, I was it. totally expecting you to just be like, oh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, I've heard that's popular. Every once in a while, society births something worth witnessing. <laughs> oh, nice. And this and this is your the, one thing. He's talking about the Maesters because that's who he identifies with. It's one of them. Mm, that's one yes. of them. I mean, that makes sense. I wouldn't expect any other kind of character for Clark to really... I actually to. really jive with the little Stark girl. That revenge streak of, like, you're on a list because, like, <laughs> That's people deserve it. Like, people like people are like, oh, is she, like, psychologically unstable? It's like, no, that, he murdered several people in her family. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's totally reasonable to be like, I'm going to murder you. Like, that's... Okay, I don't want to guilt. We'll get there. Like, we'll yeah. make sure we'll we'll get down into the nice, nice and deep once we get to that section. But first, uh, let's start with some NFL news. And here's something that I'm sure you guys would never expect to hear. But uh, Antonio Brown causing a little drama for something new and completely different, something we've never seen before. Started with him tweeting on Monday, uh, keep your emotions off the internet, just kind of seemingly out of nowhere, to which uh, a bunch of people obviously had lots of responses, one of which was a Steelers fan who responded uh, to him taunting AB with a picture that was Juju Smith-Schuster winning the Steelers team MVP uh, last year. So just being like, hey, look, you weren't even the most valuable player on the Steelers last year, according to your own teammates, to which AB immediately puts his feelings all over the internet. And quote tweets it and says, emotion, colon, boy fumbles the whole postseason in the biggest game of year, exclamation mark. Everyone went blind to busy making guys famous, not enough reality these days, exclamation mark, hang loose emoji. By the way, check the list. No idea what list he's talking about, but any list that you want to check. Antonio Brown is, is politely asking you to do that. So now Juju's involved with this drama that he was not at all a part of. So he just responds, all I ever did was show that man love and respect from the moment I got into the league. I genuinely am happy for him when he got traded to Oakland with a big contract. And now he takes shots at me on social media. Crazy how big that ego can be to take shots at people who show you love, exclamation mark, SMH, which for those who did not grow up in the millennial generation means shaking my head. And then AB throws more feelings onto the internet after expressly saying that everyone should keep their feelings off the internet. He posts to Instagram a photo of a DM that Juju sent him when he was a receiver in college saying, 
What's up, baby? I'm a receiver at the University of Southern California. I appreciate your work. You're a great man on and off the field. Do you have any tips that can help take my game to a next level? Thanks, man. Which I guess AB thought would make Juju look bad for asking help. Uh, not sure. And now, final update. AB tweeted this Tuesday, which is technically today while we're recording this, but you're all going to listen to it Thursday. So Tuesday, not giving you media fakes any, any more ammo, dot, 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 dot. Enjoy my name, AB, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. I am in Cali, living ready to ball, no nonsense, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. You troll is troll, skull emoji, exclamation mark. To work, to worry, hashtag call God. Um, so maybe AB is now forever off Twitter. Who's to say? And uh, the drama's now all past. I love the call of God at the end. I feel like there was a, a a subset of the fandom of the NFL who <clears throat> felt like AB being crazy at the end of the his tenure with the Steelers was only a show, a ruse to get the Steelers to trade him, to like truly burn all the bridges in Pittsburgh because he wanted to get out there and get a new contract. Um, but it kind of seems like maybe he's just very eccentric, like a very interesting person who's got – I don't know if he wants to like be on everyone's radar constantly all the time. And so like, he's perfectly happy as we've seen from uh, some people who may or may not be in the highest seat of this country. Think that all news is good news or all publicity is good publicity. Maybe AB feels a similar way and just wants to constantly be on everyone's radar. Who's to say, but uh, he definitely seems to have gone off the, uh, the rails recently. We could say. Yeah. I don't know how Gruden's going to, um, handle this, right. you know, like as I understand, he, well, I guess he has always had kind of uh, some colorful characters um, on his teams, like pretty pretty loud guys. So uh, maybe maybe it'll it'll jive. But I, I was baffled by the, uh, the the posting of the Juju uh, DM. Like, I was I, it supposed the, to make him look bad because it didn't. It made Juju look like this, like really endearing guy who's like, "Hey, man, I really respect you. Respect your craft. How can you help me get better?" Yeah, I don't know what he wanted people to take from it, but it it seemed demeaning. But it it uh, yeah, I don't know. Clark, I know you're just brimming with thoughts on this. Yeah, so we all have limited time and attention, and how we choose to spend that time and attention, I think, says a lot about us. Uh, so on my pompous high horse, I'd like to call out a tweet that I saw this week from Le'Veon Bell, who took a picture of something that James Conner sent him, where James Conner said something along the lines of, hey man, super happy for you. You are always cool to me, and I'm really glad that things worked out to you. And Le'Veon Bell's tweet was essentially like, hey, man, much love. Like, see? And I think that's great. I want to embrace people being good examples. And, uh, you know, I don't know these guys at all. But uh, uh, one person that has been discussed, you know, very recently in this podcast, I, I don't want to give them any more attention. I'm just to that point of where if the kid is screaming – because they want a piece of candy. Sometimes you just got to ignore them or else they're going to turn into Antonio Brown when they get older. And so I would like to commend James Conner and Le'Veon Bell for, you know, just being decent adults. Uh, and, and I really appreciate that. So good for both of them. I uh, accept Clark's challenge. <laughs> I wanted to wait 
Yeah, and I didn't want to go first with that take. <laughs> <laughs> I want to cl- accept Clark's challenge to see how long we can have a Antonio Brown ban on this podcast and see if they're at what point is it impossible to not talk about him? Because it very well could be that he has a mildly irrelevant season this year in Oakland. And, you know, yes, we could talk about it and and pump the airways full of him, or maybe we could just ignore it. Or will he put together a MVP season now that he's finally out of Pittsburgh and we just can't not talk about him? We've got four people on the podcast, and most of the dummies out there love this. So y'all just keep on keeping on. And then, you know, the esoteric up his own ass stuff you know just leave that to me i just like how clark subtly just told us we were all the dummies out there <laughs> oh, <not you> guys. <laughs> don't just listen to the tape that's how i took it and i i think that he kind of just posted like a dm of us and was trying to make us look bad but what he said is that we're men of the people mm. and so if you can mute Clark, I don't know if you could do that, but you should just do that. For the rest of oh my gosh, look at this, you guys. We're having internal struggles just like the Steelers. I browned myself. This is so on brand. <laughs> I browned myself. <laughs> oh, delightful. Delightful. Well, that wasn't the only drama that was brought to light uh, this, this past week. This weekend, Big old article came out on Bleacher Report talking about the Green Bay Packers and their complete and utter dysfunction. By now, I'm sure you've read it or or at the very least, I've gotten a kind of a overlay of, of what it was all about. Basically, Rodgers and McCarthy hated each other uh, and both are to blame the Packers kind of lack of success recently. Now, <clears throat> if Jordan wasn't too busy drinking bubbly with his with his work coworkers um, and and kind of, you know, uh, schmoozing up his boss. Well, he'd be here to read a statement, but he did send it along to me. So I do have a statement before we get into our thoughts on this on this revelation in the Green Bay drama. I have a statement here from Jordan Smith, known Packers enthusiast uh, regarding this uh, Bleacher Report article. So I have never read this, so I apologize if my reading of it is poor and I stumble over words, but we're going to go through this event together, everyone. So let's let's see what Jordan has to say in uh, regards to this article. <clears throat> well, it's no secret that my allegiances lie with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers in their current form as a journalist. I must make my feelings known about the Bleacher Report article in question. Um, thoughts on my Jordan impression right off the bat? A plus. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. I, I, it's not I accurate, do, but it's good. I do think, if I recall, I know it's been a week. Uh, Jordan had a bit of a British lilt. Oh shit! I always forget that he's British. Okay, I'll, I'll try to do better. Overall, <laughs> I'm not doing that. Overall, it's a shoddy piece of journalism that does not do its duty to report, but rather makes broad assumptions to select statements by anonymous sources or former jaded teammates. Any true Packer fan knows to ignore any comments, any sort of comment or tall tale told by former Packers tight end Jermichael Finley and former wide receiver Greg Jennings. It is known through Packers Twitter and across Packer Nation that these individuals have held nothing but contempt for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers since their time with the organization ended. Jennings even prefaced his comments by saying his by saying his words would be taken in a negative way, and that is 
because his comments over the past couple years are never, that was both bolded and italicized, positive, and fans let him know it. Finley and Jennings own their, owe their careers to Aaron Rodgers. As we saw with Greg Jennings, he was immediately washed as soon as he left the comforts of Lambeau Field. Other players, current and former, have come to the defense of Rodgers and McCarthy. James Jones, Devontae Adams, Casey Hayward, and Jeff Janis, who was named in the piece as being on Rodgers' doghouse, all voiced support for the quarterback-coach duo. Ultimately, in the NFL, a coach and quarterback do not stay together. For well over a decade, the relationship was as fraught as it was depicted in the, in the article. Rodgers does not sign two contract extensions, knowing McCarthy comes with the deal if he despises the former coach. As the article posts, uh, Rodgers is somehow both passive-aggressive and outwardly angry with young receivers. There are guesses without context as to how a conversation with Mike Mark Murphy went when hiring Matt LaFleur. It's quite honestly a mess of a piece that definitely is trying to be something, but a long lens view will see that it's nothing. It's a bad look for Ty Dunn, Bleacher Report, the sources, and make no mistake, colon, the North remembers. Clark, your response to Jordan's statement and to uh, this uh, dysfunction in Green Bay. I feel like Jordan's statement will stand on its own. Uh, sometimes, you know, like it's one of those things that, you know, you can say something mean about your sister, but if someone else says something mean about your sister, people get very upset. Uh, and I think that that might be a little bit what's going on here. Uh, having not read the piece and feeling obliged to share my opinion with everyone uh, as well, we'll never really know what happened, but it is fun to try and read the tea leaves but i think this is just kind of a classic example of this is what happens when two parties stay in a relationship for a little bit too long that lovable quirk like someone leaving all of their dishes in your car even though you ask them repeatedly to take their cups inside with them after a long road trip starts to become an affront to everything that you hold dear in your life and when you get to that point, you think, like, maybe it'll get better. I've got eight more months on this lease that we signed together. That can be time that we can spend making this relationship good again, like it used to be back in the day. But then you turn around three years later and think, damn, I need to save up enough money to get my own place and pay for this place to get out of this relationship. And I think that's what we ran into here. That I'm I'm going to be more direct rather than using a bunch of analogies because I'm not that good at that. Um, so, Thanks for saying that was good. I thought it felt really flat. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so I uh, the beef has been squashed between Nick and Clark. You guys, it was a yeah. short-lived beef. <laughs> it, was, it was pretend. Um, we really okay, should have so, milked it for, for for the podcast's sake. I hate you, Clark. <laughs> so, I like you. I, I hope that we can come together again. Oh, this is perfect. Nick is now Antonio Brown, and Clark is Juju Smith-Schuster. Now I've browned myself. I don't think <laughs> we should use that as a phrase. No, we definitely need Oh, to. that's definitely a phrase now. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, okay, so a lot of analysts that I, that I follow and trust um, all sort of have the same idea of McCarthy 
His system depends on good receivers who can basically get open on their own. He isn't a very smart offensive mind and refused to change his, his teams. And I, I believe that to be fact wholeheartedly. Um, I think Rogers has made it pretty clear through his comments to the media and the way his, his body language and the way that, inter- that he interacted with McCarthy, that he did not like him at all. Um, as for Jermichael Finley specifically, I, I think that his, his frustration is super warranted. He was supposed to be one of the next like great NFL tight ends, and his career did not live up to that. And I think that that was sort of emblematic of McCarthy's time in Green Bay. If you look at his tenure with tight ends, it's basically a consecutive series of failed stories, whether it was um, uh, Jermichael Finley or Martellus Bennett or last year Jimmy Graham. Um, and I, I think it's sort of the place that the, wherever McCarthy is, is where tight ends who can catch go to die. Um, and Greg Jennings, yeah, he's loud, but again, I don't think that he, I don't think that his pure, that his analysis of McCarthy being an outdated coach is incorrect. And, um, and I think that there's a lot of validity to Rogers basically being held back by having an idiot coach. Don't tell Jordan I said that. Yes, Jordan doesn't listen to this podcast anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> He'll never know. Uh, yeah, I think. I mean, I am. I I will agree that there has been a lot of out or a lot of support uh, for Rogers and McCarthy post this article coming out. But I guess I and like and and Jordan was saying that it's like basically unnamed sources or very jaded players. I do think one of the things that the biggest thing that stuck out to me from reading it that kind of clicked with the vision of Rogers that I always have uh, from, from that we've kind of learned from his personal life is that one of the things was that Rogers held a grudge against McCarthy from like the instant he was hired for the Packers because McCarthy was the offensive coordinator for the 49ers who drafted Alex Smith over Rogers. And that Rogers, I guess loves to hold grudges at the smallest slight for like entirety. And to me that kind of plays into this, image of this guy who didn't talk to his family and kind of like sealed them out over because they didn't like who he was dating who he then broke up with and now is dating uh Dana Fitzpatrick, Danica Patrick who Jordan's going to be the ring bearer at their wedding um so I I'm perfectly fine to recognize that maybe this story is is a lot of kind of crazy uh what what's the word i'm thinking of like basically kind of blowing up hype over hyping kind of really mundane things or kind of creating smoke where there's not and i can say as a patriots fan with 300 articles written about how belichick and tom brady hate each other or or the patriots dynasty is crumbling around them like i understand this notion of like all of these reporters coming out and being like oh it's all unnamed sources wow tell me why don't you why don't you put names to this why don't you tell me who's actually saying it um but that stuck out to me because i i kind of get the feeling that rogers is someone who holds grudges and it makes sense that you know he he's been very bitter about not getting picked first overall and he's not been quiet about that he's been very vocal about that um and so i that stuck out to me but i mean i i i get 50 percent of what jordan's saying from his from his statement it's well it was well written and and just as well read what it was very well read. Um, so what, what I want to say about him holding grudges is that it, it is totally well documented or it, it appears to be very well documented. Um, but that doesn't make him wrong, like his reasons for holding those grudges. And I, uh, one of my favorite, I might have already quoted on this, but one of my favorite Hunter S. Thompson quotes, which I think fits here, 
is um, I've never been one to hold a grudge any longer than absolutely necessary. And I think that you can you can live on those terms, uh, maybe not you know uh, kindly or uh, warmly, but be right in your conviction for his own happiness. He could probably lighten up, but uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and the the last thing I want to say about it is it it's very easy to forget this, uh, but but this was a this is a job, right? So th- this is a this is an employee employer relationship thing. And so it could very well be true that maybe Mike McCarthy wasn't the sharpest tack or the best leader. And maybe Aaron Rodgers isn't the nicest guy in the world. And all of this can exist in nuance without one person being responsible. And just try to think what would happen to you and the feelings that you and your coworkers might have if when, say, someone laid off a bunch of people at your job, if a reporter came along and started asking them of like how they felt about their boss, you know, and how they felt about the second in command. You probably get a lot of stories about what an idiot they were, how great they were, how so-and-so always had it out for so-and-so. And, you know, that's the off season. So this is fun, but uh, just keep that in mind. There's probably no one story that's true here. It's probably all kind of sort of true, at least to the people who've told it. Uh, you know, truth is what we make of it right? It's the 90s. It's a very good point, Clark. Yeah. Well said. Well said. People often forget that sports is a business and it's a work environment. Yeah. Everything could change. I mean, if Jay Cutler was better, we would be having this conversation about him, but we've just written him off as a complete jerk <laughs> because he never won a Super Bowl. Maybe? I don't know. Maybe? George's not here to defend the take that Aaron Rodgers is the same what? thing as Jay Cutler just with a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> I keep... That's... I. Oh, I'm I not on my it. game tonight. These are not. Uh, <laughs> that was awesome. That is a flaming hot take from Clark. <laughs> That's going right. to be the promo, isn't it? <laughs> oh, hey, so, Got to get the clicks, man. Green Bay's going to come after me. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> Pete, I got to get rolling. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Nick's got to go. <laughs> Spontaneously yeah. out of the blue. <laughs> Later. All right, and we're going to take this time. We have a little bit of news, and we got some would-you-rathers and some fantasy Game of Thrones to discuss, but we're going to take this time to quickly through do an ad break because, as Clark knows, daddy got to get paid. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the podcast. And I hope that you do indeed listen to all those great shows that had advertisements with us and told you that you should listen to them because, hey, who can listen to too many podcasts? Isn't that right, Clark? Not me. I have almost endless time and attention. Yeah. 
How many podcasts do you listen to on a daily basis? I probably listen to about four hours of podcast. Wow. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I have an office job, so yeah, you just it's a lot of just kind of like pumping in numbers and sitting yep. around. Do, do you have analogies? <laughs> do you fluctuate between cat? Like, what's the what's the ma- m- biggest category of podcasts you listen to? Is like or the yeah, it's like all sports stuff, or is it? No, it's it's so I try not to listen to a lot of sports stuff since I started doing this because I found early on I would just be like, oh, so and so said this and that was really clever and I like that. Mm. So it's like, well, that's not you know, well then you should be listening to that podcast. Uh, I listen to a lot of small business podcasts and uh, something called the Survival Podcast and a bunch of like farming podcasts because I think that's neat and comedy stuff. That's dope. Farming yeah. podcast. I'm all for that fun mostly i just do uh sports podcasts i'm gonna be yeah. honest but becca I, has a, a wide range of podcasts mostly around uh murder so i, well, if I ever show up dead there's so many good sports podcasts like ours included but like i miss listening to some just because it, it's just fun to hear people talk about it even if you don't agree with it but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Who knows? um all right we got one last bulletin of news before we get into the rest of our show and that is uh the jets redesigned their jerseys uh and they are in three distinct colors gotham green spotlight white because white's not and stealth black um that's just the jets trying to drum up the fact that they you know did something cool and creative and new but um i hate to break it to you anyone who hasn't seen them yet they're trash they look like a madden relocation team jersey uh i i, I don't understand how these franchises can have to it can be multi-million dollar companies and fail to sign a good graphic artist to construct these jerseys uh, what do you think clark i ow pete roll in in a odd reversal of roles you like like them they look all right yeah like normally like what we've seen over the past few years we've seen the browns i like the browns we've seen the jaguars no the browns like three years ago like the uniforms they changed to to tank in and then we had the jaguars flat the helmet. helmet that was terrible you know the you know so we've had a lot of these reveals that i feel went not great okay i feel like the jets uniforms look cool like i wouldn't buy them but like it's basically they didn't screw the pooch so it's like okay good job by not making something hideous you've passed the test yeah i guess they yeah i mean if you compare them to like recent releases the titans one aren't terrible the new the new titans jerseys that they've released um all right well we can all agree the bucks are the absolute worst with their fucking alarm clock numbers and like the bucks had such cool uniforms such cool uniforms can we also just go back to the creamsicle because the creamsicle is by far and away the best how that's not at least their alternate union. It blows my mind. Just, just like how the how the how the uh, I guess L.A. Chargers now should just be permanently baby blue. Why why that's not a thing is just mind blowing. So I guess it wasn't so much that like the jerseys. Yes, they're fine. I guess the black is stupid. The black is stupid. Like, that's not their color. No, calling it spotlight white is dumb. <laughs> that's like this is. I, I like to think about like. Sorry, I'm gonna like. A bunch of people spent hours 
coming so up with much that. time like that was a that was meetings like there was a project was, manager for that like that was a big fucking deal to come up with like they're like how can we describe white spotlight white <laughs> um it's just i was very underwhelmed and i think it's because the nba has done a really good job at creating cool new jerseys and i understand that there's a difference between like they do a lot of themed jerseys so like they don't do a lot of changes to the fundamental home and away jerseys, but they have like, you know, different jerseys that you wear on different nights and all that. And the NFL tried to do that with their color rush, which was dumb. Um, but I just, I think that there, I think there's a lot that could have been done with their, with the Jets jerseys. And I'm sure if you just do it like a, a very sh- small search on the interwebs being like cool mock-ups of jet jerseys, you'll see a lot on the internet that other people have done that are a lot cooler than the ones jets put together. I mean, literally it was just like, we're going to make a solid green Jersey with a little white stripe over the sleeve. And we're going to say New York on it and boom, it's a new Jersey. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it is a hype generation thing. It is a revenue generation thing. And I, again, you know, make no apologies. Like I always think the old jerseys look better than yeah. the new ones that they roll out. Uh, but but I feel like, uh, like I went to go see Us this weekend. Ooh, don't solid, say it, was it good? Solid C. I yeah. enjoyed it. Oh, okay. I've heard some other people losing their, right. you know, bananas about it. But but I liked it. Now, if you want to get hypercritical, yeah, I, I can I can go over lots of things. But it was fun. To go see it. I had a good time. So, mm-hmm. And that's how I look at these Jets jerseys. It's like, if we want to be critical, I can. But like, hey, it's okay. Like, you know, they didn't do the Bucks. Basically, they didn't. They didn't that. completely fuck it up. Right. Which is, which is new for the Jets recently, let's say. Like, I watched Solo a couple of weekends ago. That was the Bucks. <laughs> like, that movie's not good. No, it's not. Despite the fact that it has some really good performances, in it. I, I really, I really I like Donald Glover as as uh, um, Lando. I wanted to like him because I, I like him, and he that movie was not good. Yeah, it really was just like good. on every, like on every not, level. Not funny, bad. Like, no. oh, it was pretty upsetting. Especially when you're like when it when it was following uh, Rogue One as like a random Star Wars story. Like Rogue One was a phenomenal movie. I liked Rogue One a lot. I thought it was good. Rogue One was incredible, and it was far better than Last Jedi. And then Solo was just trash. Anywho's, <clears throat> I watched Let's... that too. Katie was out of town last weekend, so I watched a lot of nice. a lot of Netflix. Nice. There you go. Netflix has got some good shit posted yeah. up on there now. Good. I just uh, coming back from my brother's bachelor party. Watched Venom, which was exactly what I expected it to be. Which was good. Oh, okay. It was exact. It was like it, when when I knew exactly what I went into it expecting it to be, and it lived up to that. Which was a very entertaining movie where jo- Tom Hardy does so many unnecessary accents and fights people, which I'm 100 percent here for. Hey man, nothing wrong with good popcorn movie, you know? Nothing wrong at all. Nothing wrong at all. With that, it's just you and me, Clark. Nick sent around his his uh, his questions, but it's just you and me. Let's play the greatest game on the internet. What you ready? I think it sounded really good with uh, my lack of a voice, especially that rather. I think I really hit that. Killing it, Pete. <laughs> 
killing it as always. All right. Simple game. Everyone knows the rules. Uh, we're just going to throw out would you rathers and we're going to do them. So, Clark, why don't you start us off? Okay. Hey, would you rather? I'm, I've got a superfluous and a serious. So Perfect. Start with the superfluous. Uh, would you rather stack the Saints or stack the Steelers? Uh, your big three are going to, I think, end up going in approximately the same rounds, at least, you know, very close to where you may make this decision. Uh, would you rather have Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and Drew Brees, or Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner, and Ben Roethlisberger? Saints all the way. Uh, and I'll tell you why, Clark. I have no faith in Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger is, is going to miss at least three or four games at this point in his career. I think he's also going to have another two th- or three games where he throws three different interceptions, uh, three plus interceptions. And I also think, I know we t- spent a good amount of time about how you don't like listening to podcasts because of this, but I was listening to the Around the NFL podcast uh, and one of their hosts, uh, Greg Rosenthal, brought up a very good point that I thought, which he was saying he wouldn't be surprised if, not that James Conner gets replaced so much, but that James Conner doesn't have the same workload that he has this year, that the Steelers draft another running back in the third or fourth round to kind of help carry that workload. And maybe that running back becomes better, takes over, what have you. Um, and so I, I kind of buy into that. I'm not entirely sold that James Conner, he was very productive and very good, but the Steelers also have one of the best offensive lines in football. So I don't think you, I think you could put any run any decently talented running back back there and get success. So I, I think Juju Smith-Suster is going to be a beast this year, but I'm not so sold on everyone else. Meanwhile, the Saints, Drew Brees is going to be Drew Brees until his arm falls off. I think he is along the lines of, of Tom Brady where they're just going to retire because they choose to, not because they suck at all. Alvin Kamara is now having a backfield. Yes, Latavius Murray is there, but I think they're going to try to put even more on. I mean, I could see Alvin Kamara the first four weeks during Mark Ingram's suspension, Alvin Kamara, for a good portion of the year now. And Michael Thomas, and someone pointed this out long, a couple episodes ago uh, when we were talking, I think it was when Odell Beckham trade went down, and we were talking about who were our top five wide receivers, and all of us failed to mention Michael Thomas. And so I think Michael Thomas is like that super sneaky kind of under the radar, not really under the radar guy, but just like people kind of forget about how freaking good Michael Thomas is. Uh, so I, w- I would stack the Saints over at stacking the Steelers. I like it. I, I could go either way on this one. And that's why I thought this would be fun to talk about. Um, I think there may be a little bit too much shade and attention going on in Pittsburgh. So I think that you're going to get some great discounts on uh actually juju smith schuster i i I know that he's been very good he's the one that i worry about uh more than james connor while he may uh james connor may have some competition with another back you know he is a third round running back that steelers offensive line is good and i know ben roethlisberger is not the best quarterback in the world but he's good enough to put up you know know, five thousand yards throwing you know he he is good enough to do those things uh and it's it's just going to be interesting to see if things swing too far uh, on these Steelers who, I mean, James Conner's starting back, you know, had, had a great year last year, kind of petered out towards the end, but you know, most backs that size nowadays will with the workload that he had. So uh, the saints, the knock against them, I had Michael Thomas last year and I thought, boy, what a crappy year he's having. And then you look down and he's like fourth because he just never has those huge games, but he, he just- never has bad games consistently gives to you like 80 in a touch yeah. 
and and that's the fear with uh, the Saints is that those guys just give you duds every once in a while. Their highs are so high, and their lows are you know weak losers right. for you. So I, I was hoping that would be interesting. No, that's that's. I mean, I think I think you could post that to anyone, and you'd probably get a pretty even 50-50 split. I just for the last three to four years. I mean, I've always been out on Ben Roethlisberger first as being a Patriots fan, and B because he's a rapist, but. Also, because recently, allegedly, it, allegedly excuse me, um, <clears throat> the recently the last few years, I've I've been out on him and from fantasy perspective in that I I like a quarterback who I plug play forget about don't have to worry about I don't need to you know worry him going to get injured or if he's going to throw ten interceptions like Ben Roethlisberger too regularly has either missed games or have had, has had, you know, three to four interception games, which I understand come across even the best quarterback, but he does it with a little too regularity. So I have a personal bias against them. So I'll tend to always pick the saints over, over them in that instance. Um, let me give you my, would you rather it's a little fantasy talk. You already brought that up, but also pairing it with a little draft talk uh, fantasy tight end spectrum. We know that that field is, is barren and we're, especially with Gronk retiring, we talked about it on, Two weeks ago, podcast, the last one we recorded. But where would you rather Noah Fant be drafted? Uh, would you rather him be drafted by the Packers or the Patriots, both of whom could use a tight end, both offenses high powered with the quarterback who could uh, really put some big numbers up with a tight end? <sighs> I, you gave me the wrong choices, Pete. Should have ah. said, you know, the Patriots or the Texans or some other fun team. You give me these, you know, others. I'm sorry. I, the Titans or the Texans? I really want to see – I would love to see him go to Green Bay, unfortunately, uh, for you. I'm sorry. I think I that uh, Tom Brady is making it with uh, wisdom and anticipation and, you know, in his old age is kind of losing that killer cannon deep ball. And, I, and you know, I, I get really excited come draft season and I just picture like, oh, there's this fast tight end from Iowa. It's like, oh, good, another George Kittle. Another, you know, another 1,400 yards running away from everyone. Like, that'd be great to see Aaron Rodgers throwing to him. So, I'm going to have to go with the Packers. I, uh, I'm going to agree with you. And I know that sounds preposterous as a Patriots fan. But I I don't know. I know everyone's looking to replace Gronk. I don't think the Patriots are. I think the Patriots are going to completely reinvent their offense to not be built around the tight end position anymore because they know they just can't replicate that. I'm sure they'll some get someone and, 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 you know, still have someone at that position who's viable. But I think that this offense is going to drastically change and maybe become even like a run first offense with, with kind of more looking at your slot receivers, which they've always had. But I agree with you. I think that for someone who has that athletic gift that Noah Fant does and being the big guy over the middle, and we've seen what Matt LaFleur, I know it was, what, two years that he did in Tennessee? But he had Dwayne uh, Delaney Walker, who is a fantastic tight end, who put up big numbers, even with Marcus Mariota. And I, I, I'm i totally on board with you. I want to give Aaron Rodgers a target across the middle, something that he hasn't had in a long time, and just put as many weapons for Matt LaFleur to work with. Cause I trust his creativeness and like building an actual offense that's going to be clever and not just running, you know, go routes and ISO routes every, uh, every snap like McCarthy did. So I, I think, and I also think it's far more realistic that Fant gets drafted 12th overall than at 32. I don't know. I don't think he's following all the way down there. Yeah. And I, and I think that that would be a fool's errand to try to replace someone like Gronk. Not, I mean, just like that just doesn't happen. 
right? right? Like, even, able to do it. even if you want to say Andrew Luck replaced Peyton Manning, I mean, not yet. He didn't. I mean, Peyton, I know Andrew Luck is good and we're very excited, but like even those best transitions in the world are still a little touchy. Like when we're talking about the greatest of all time, you can be chasing your tail going after that. Clark, you have made some fiery takes on this podcast, but that one yeah, is not fire. That is a very good take. That is a very good point because you're right. So many people were just like, oh, seamless transition for the Colts, Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. And from a talent perspective, you're totally right. Like they're both extremely talented quarterbacks, but the success hasn't been there. The production hasn't been there because there's all kinds of other things that go into it. And so it's foolhardy to think that like, oh, Gronk's retired. We're just going to give the best tight end in this year's draft, plug him right in, and we're going to have a seamless Gronk 2.0. So, I, and I, I don't think that's how the Patriots operate. I think the Patriots are going to be like, look, we got rid of, we lost this transcendent player. We're not going to try to replace him and do the same offense. We're going to completely reconstruct our offense, rebuild what we're focused on, and go from there. And also, the Patriots are the best team in the league at doing that anyway. Right. Exactly. It's what they do on a, on a weekly basis. Clark, what's your uh, other would you rather? Okay, my other would you rather is spend five more hours a week at uh, working for a corporation, which by its very nature is incapable of even knowing you exist, let alone caring about your existence, or spend five more hours a week with your loved ones, knowing that we all have limited time on this beautiful blue marble. That's tough. It seems to be. (laughs) Is there a backstory here? Because I'm dying to know. I so I I turned 37 this weekend. It was my birthday. birthday. Uh, So you know I've been a little even more esoteric and pompous in my thoughts lately, and I just started thinking about work life balance and how you know it's really easy to make that bad decision, but you choose either way, and so Mm kind of trying to take it back. You know, I like that. I know. I mean, I think unless you have really shitty loved ones i feel like that would be a pretty easy choice (laughs) um but you're right i mean it's just something that like a lot of people have spoken on is particularly revolving around the millennial generation of this idea of like needing to constantly be working and if you're not working you're not reaching your full potential despite the fact that ultimately like i don't know that's not how i feel personally i am all about the the person connection family connection spending time with people who you care about and who you love because when you look back on your life like that's at least for me that's the stuff that i'm going to remember and care about and not sitting at a a a desk for five more hours in a company that doesn't care about me yeah i think so i think working hard is good i think that it makes you feel good you gotta work you know if you're gonna if you're gonna get the internet and netflix you know people they don't they don't just hand you that but uh I don't think many people looked back and thought, man, I, I should have spent more time at the office. You know, usually it's quite quite the opposite. Quite literally the opposite. Yeah. There's a lot of movies about it. A lot of movies about Boris Gump, Bull Durham. Just to name a few. Uh <clears throat> all right. Here are the uh would you rather's that Nick gave us before he uh before he departed from this world. Number one. Would you rather have your rival NFL team be one of the best teams in the league, thus making victory over them that much sweeter? Or would you rather have one of them be a perennial bottom dwellers sucking in the everlasting – oh, stuck in the everlasting battle of not finishing 0-16? It's a pretty good question. Yeah, I I would rather have them be good. Yeah, I can't 
after a team's been so bad for so long, it, even if you don't like the team, you start to feel bad for, or I start to feel bad for them. And, and I just, I don't want to see any city who cares about their team have to go through like what Browns fans have gone through or, you know, it just, as someone who's been an Astros fan for a long time, or, you know, and just a Houston fan, we've had a lot of success lately, but it just sucks when all of your teams suck. So I can't wish that even on some made up rivalry around a game <laughs> of people catching footballs. Like I want everyone to have some fun. It's sports. I totally agree. Uh, and I, and to the point where I'm like, even actively, I'm rooting for the Jets to be good because it was so great when that was an actual rivalry, when like you had Rex Ryan and even I crazy to say it, but Mark Sanchez and like that defense was at the top of their game. And, you know, we were battling it out each year for the AFC conference. Like that was fun. It made me hate them more. And like, it's nice to see either a rival team, like fall into some sort of like dismal bottom of despair, but you're right. At a certain point, it's like, well, this is no fun. Like I, I, I want to, I want to, when I confront a Jets fan, you know, I want to be like, oh, fuck you and have a, have a fight and not be like, oh, I'm so sorry for you. You're a Jets fan. And then to like, look up at me and be like, yeah, it's a terrible life. Like, that's not what I want. I want the fire in their eyes. So, yeah. And then you want your team to snuff it out. And then you want your team to, to stuff out that fire. Yeah. Exactly. Like a good firefighter. Uh, Nick's second, would you rather is, final would you rather for a full season would you rather be forced to watch every single game in week one through week 17 or not be allowed to watch a regular season game at all uh reading fake teams recaps and listening to the rb1 podcast would be permitted for the latter scenario so thank you nick for still making sure that our excellent content is available for those who can't watch a single game but would you rather have to see Every single game for the entire NFL season or not watch a single one. So if I could watch it without commercials, I'm going to watch the game. If I have to watch the full broadcast, I'm out. Yeah. As someone who more or less didn't watch any regular season football last year, I'm all right with it. (laughs) It's not bad. Uh, especially, I mean, this is very much the Pete cocky Patriots fan who's like, oh, I knew I was going to get into the playoffs anywhere, so who cares? But that's exactly why. It's like, who cares? I know we're going to be in the playoffs. Those are the games that matter. Um, And the regular season games just stress you out for no apparent reason. Now, I will say it's a lot more fun to watch regular season games when there's, like, big changes to the team, right? Like, it's a lot of fun to, you know, if, well, if Tom Brady retires and he's got a, we have a rookie quarterback, like that's, that'll be fun to watch. I'll watch the crap out of that. But if it's the same old, same old, yeah, I don't, I don't need to watch that. So. Oh, I, I probably watch 80% of the games anyway. Yeah. So I just have to suffer through a few lions and Buccaneers matchups <laughs> and then it'd be just par for the course. <laughs> just... uh, there you go. Well, so there you go. There's some would you rather's uh, to that we have expertly answered. And now to wrap the show up, uh, we are going to talk about possibly the last great public show in in our lifespan. The show that comes out that doesn't get released all at once, comes out on a weekly release date where it just has universal love and and universal viewership. And people are talking about their theories. There's all kinds of stuff. Like, 
I, I am not entirely sure there's going to be another show like this, Clark. Another phenomenon like this at the very least. And that is Game of Thrones. Season finale starts April 14th, which is this coming Sunday. Um, for those who don't know and did not partake in last year's game, we on FakeTeams.com have a fantasy Game of Thrones game that we play. I post, uh, and I'm going to be posting up the introductory article, I think on Thursday uh, of this week. Basically, it's just like uh, any kind of DFS. You Each person in Game of Thrones has a certain cost to them. You build your lineup, uh, and then depending on, we have, I think there's like four different categories you can get points. Badassery, uh, which is, involves killing. Um, then there's, oh, it might be killing, badassery, sex, and drinking. I think are the are the are the four ways to score points. And there's all kinds of different pointing systems and categories. So if you are a Game of Thrones fanatic and want to play more games that you know more fantasy games because you just can't get enough, make sure to hit up faketeams.com um and uh, and sign up for game, fantasy Game of Thrones when the season starts. But Clark, it's the big finale. Everyone's got their theories. What is your current sitting theory for who is going to rule Westeros at the end of the season? Okay, so I'm very excited. This guy. So my theory for what's going to happen is that the brother and sisters die together. Some mm. lusty accident leaving Peter Dinklage as the leader of the Blondes. And then the dragon lady who's in Star Wars falls in love with Arya's brother, who's the handsome guy who should be in a shampoo commercial. Uh-huh. They get married, and so they just, like, share their land. But then since they're all friends, they realize that the kingdom is a really big place and probably too much for one person to really effectively rule. So they form a union of three states where they agree on several basic laws, like a common currency free trade policy and travel agreements so that people and goods and services can move around in the kingdom. They defeat the Nordic people as, you know, episode two. And then we get to see kind of this renaissance happening in Westeros. And it's just going to be, you know, puppies and kittens and flowers and everything's going to work out. Let the, I will say to the audience that as you heard at the top of the podcast, Clark has launched this show. He knows who these characters are. And has just decided <laughs> that the dragon lady and the shampoo hair guy. The dragon lady who's in Star Wars. Who's in Star Wars. That's right. And, and Arya's brother. Arya's, the only character that Clark names by name is Arya Stark. Uh, the most the most Clark description of Game of Thrones. I love it. That's beautiful. And And not only that, it's also just the fact that for Clark, the season finale won't be about who gets to the throne. No, no, that gets decided like two episodes in. The rest of it is just them happily building this nation that we all get to live under and on. They they teach Brexit and America and the EU a little something about diplomacy. That's beautiful. I love it. That's, that's great. That's great. Um, I will say that is not how I see it happening. <laughs> but uh, but I'm all for it. Now, my, my idea is... <clears throat> I think you're I think you are correct. I do think that the brother and sister do die. And I actually think that Jamie kills Cersei um, and then he dies some way, somehow. Uh, I think that John and Daenerys are going to get married. And I think John's going to discover that um, spoiler alert for anyone who has not watched up until the season finale. Going to leave a nice pause in there for those who have not to stop listening to the podcast that they are related. Um, 
and that he is the heir to the throne, but they're going to be like, mm, you know what? Aunt, aunt and a nephew thing. That's cool. We're okay with that. Um, but John's going to, who's always wanted to pass along leadership and is always very, uh, is always kind of not wanted to be in a leadership role. is going to be like, look, I don't want to be the king. Daenerys is going to be like, I, um, then I want to lead. <clears throat> but instead what's going to happen is this Sansa, Sansa Stark, who has learned from Littlefinger how to manipulate people. She has learned from her father of the pride and and being honest and being a good person. She is going to be the one who ends up running Westeros, living on the Iron Throne. Meanwhile, with Arya as her hand. Meanwhile, Jon and Daenerys, are, after destroying the White Walkers, are going to go live up north with her dragons and uh, and populate that northern area because Jon Snow likes his winters and Daenerys likes cuddling. So, Yeah, Littlefinger, a member of perhaps my favorite show to ever been made and Game of Thrones, uh, The Wire. He was oh, the yeah. mayor. Season three, I want to say. I think you're right. Uh, and uh, as we all know, in eight years, HBO is going to put on another magnificent production that's just going to all blow us away. It's kind of like the uh, I started reading it this weekend and there's like that 27 year cycle of what's going on. So this is the HBO cycle of like every six or seven years, they release something that becomes like canon as entertainment. Uh, and that's Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, it'll be. It'll be interesting to see what their next one is. So we know the dragon lady is going to die, right? Like no one wants her to. She's super strong. So she's getting it. That's probably a good point. She's going to get, it'll be like an ice pick because it'll have to be something like, because cold versus hot. They like to do stuff like that. (laughs) They do. They do like that. Um, That's a pretty good point because as Becca, when I told her my theory, she was like, no, that's stupid. Daenerys is never going to give up power for some guy. Um, so John I think that makes sense. looks so sullen when it happens. Yeah, John Snow's probably going to want to kill himself too, which then he's going to get brought back yet again by Melisandre. So, mm-hmm. uh huh. You know, how many times can you die in the show? Am I right, you guys? Several. <laughs> oh, sorry, you weren't asking the practical question. Okay, <laughs> several times. Um, yeah, I think Sansa. I think Sansa is is primed for the throne because she's had the greatest like trajectory on the show of a character going from just from this kind of like i would say weak willed or just or just like a character who you're like oh god really sansa come on like have a backbone stand up for yourself she is terrible if you haven't gone back to rewatch awful she is almost janice in the sopranos like you don't want her to you don't want to see her on screen terrible so she and does then, that's a good job. Like that's a compliment as an actress. She plays her part very well. Like I'm not. You know. And now, and now she is this like like powerful woman who knows how to manipulate people and how to get people to do what she wants. Like I think she is the, she is primed to sit on the Iron Throne and rule Westeros. She is the perfect balance of of Ned Stark's you know super uh, honor and Littlefinger's like manipulate to gain power. So that's my. It's gonna be interesting. Bad. And while Nick was still here, we recorded his answer. So here's who Nick thinks is going to be seated on the Iron Throne uh, at the end of the season. But Game of Thrones takes. Okay, so as I understand it, we're we're sort of drafting our heir to the Iron Throne. Yes. Okay, so I I, I 
am of the opinion that uh, Tyrion is Azor Ahai. Um, and there's there's fairly good evidence to support it. Um, in the books, he's described basically as having a hair of a Targaryen. His mom was the sort of apple of the Mad King's eye, and it's possible they had relations of some sort. Um, and uh, Tywin constantly said, you're not my son. Um, he also has in the book, like different colored eyes, which I think was a prominent characteristic of another famous Targaryen a long time ago. Um, he was also to, able to approach the, the, uh, Daenerys' dragons down in, in Marine. And he's all, he talked about how all he ever wanted as a kid, as a kid was a dragon, even a little one. Um, all of these things sort of line up to him being, uh, a Targaryen and therefore, uh, also the heir of the Mad King. Um, and he's also older than all of the other candidates like Jon Snow or Daenerys. So it would put him first in line. Um, let's see if I'm missing anything in my notes here. Uh, oh, and basically George R. R. Martin was like, I'm not doing the show if Peter Dinklage won't play Tyrion, which tells me, I mean, he's obviously been a prominent character, but that seems to be like a, a fairly large hint. Um, so I mean, anyway. Warwick, what's his name to step in there? Yeah, What's could that? Warwick. Uh, God, I keep thinking Warwick Dunn. That's not right. That's Warwick not it. Not Warwick Dunn. Oh God, it's Warwick. You know what I'm talking about? The guy. We all know who Warwick. Hey, carry on. But Warwick Davis. What? Yeah. What you guys think? I just I made a note earlier where uh, Clark, when you're Warwick talking Davis. about Arya, I've I've taken multiple Game of Thrones character quizzes this week, and I just keep getting Arya. I'm the revenge-filled <laughs> adventurous girl. Oh, this is great. That people with faces. Nick is just continuing to brown himself. <laughs> continuing to put himself in the corner as the as the as the Avenger. No. Destroyer of worlds. People love to take those of chains. People it. love those quizzes. Uh I think Tyrion's not the not the worst call. He's not who I think is going to sit on the throne. But I but I'm I'm not against that. I'm not against oh, that. Oh, he's got He's got some other things like specific to Azor Ahai, like he had to kill his his love and something to do with salt water and some other stuff. But anyway, um, I won't take up any more of out of place of the uh, the show time. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens. So, but it starts April 14th, so next Sunday, everyone. Make sure to check out FakeTeams.com because we're going to have the fantasy Game of Thrones season is going to start Thursday. So look for that post. Um, and for us, we back on semi-regular once a week. Uh, make sure to subscribe on iTunes and on Stitcher. And I also think, like I said two weeks ago, I believe, or on Spotify. Haven't heard anything to confirm or deny that, but I'm going to roll with it until I hear otherwise. Who says no? Uh, give us five stars. Give us a review. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete and Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. You can follow Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. Jordan, who is MIA this whole episode, um, busily drinking champagne and working. Follow him at Jordan underscore Smith 27. We'll be back at you guys next week to, I think next week we're going to do our uh, world famous RB1 mock draft. The draft is two weeks away, so we'll do our mock draft, and then maybe we'll do some uh, some beer bets the week of the draft. But all that's coming, so make sure to stay tuned, subscribe, tune in, and listen. Until next week. <laughs>